We've been talking about our, the genealogy of Jesus, right? Luke chapter 3, verse 23 and following. And the reason that we've been talking about the genealogy of Jesus, we call it Luke 3 and me, is because we're concerned about our connection. Remember how it all started with Ancestry.com and the Luke uh, or the 23andMe.com um, uh, phenomena where people want to learn more about what's going on in their past with their history, with their DNA, and they're finding out that they're, they're, um, that they're Chinese instead of Japanese and, you know, whatever, you, whatever they find out. But uh, when we look for those kinds of things, it means we want to connect with our past, you have to ask the question, why do we want to connect with their past? Because it kind of helps us understand where we are right now and where we need to go. So what we've tried to do with our Luke 3 and Me genealogical study uh, to make it exciting is to help you see your connection all the way back to the very first man, woman, Adam and Eve. How through Seth it had the story had to be rebooted because Cain, the firstborn of mankind, killed his brother Abel in a fit of jealousy. And then how those two lines, those two family lines, continued down through to the flood. We talked about uh, Seth, and we talked about Enoch, and we talked about uh, Methuselah. We talked about Lamach last week. And Lamech was the father of who we're talking about today, and that was Noah. You might think, well, why am I connected to all those people way back when? Because there's a story there that you're a part of. And it's a story of righteousness versus wickedness in this world. It's a story of salvation. It's a narrative of promise. It's an opportunity for us to connect to the very beginning and how it was messed up by Adam and Eve and how Christ reconciled all of that and then gives us the hope, as we learn from Methuselah, to live forever in heaven. As I said, we're talking about Noah today, and I'm going to call him Newsy Noah, and you'll find out here in just a little bit why we're calling him Newsy Noah. But before we begin, I just need to find out. I've been curious about this all week long. How many of you watched the Oscars last? When was it? No one? That confirms my thoughts about the Oscars. I don't know if you were aware. Do you know what the Oscars are, at least? Is there anyone who does not know what the Oscars are? And I'll explain to you. Jim, the Oscars are the award they give to the best actor, actress, best film, best documentary in Hollywood. Are you up to speed now? All right. So the Oscars, which is Hollywood's, it's, it's, uh, Hollywood's biggest night, they call it. Obviously, no one else thought it was that big of a deal because the lowest number of viewers in the history of the Oscars, 23 million, watched it last week. Now, that's a 20% decrease from the previous year in the history of this biggest awards ceremony in the world. Many explanations have been offered as to why viewership is down. But the one that resonates most with me is that you don't want to be insulted when you're watching other people be, people be awarded for things that they just 
by happenstance get to be a part of. Let me explain. One of the things that often happens at the Oscars, if you are a Christian or you are politically conservative, and I think they need to know that Christians and conservatives watch movies as well, but we're often targeted by the political acceptance speeches of the winners. They take the opportunity to offer guilt and shame and they direct that to us because we're not as woke as the award winners. And if you don't know what woke and quote means, you just ain't as cool as me, all right? <laughs> just means you're just not as aware. You're not with it. You're not happening, man. Hopefully I got all the generations right there. Perfect example. Maybe you didn't see it. But you probably heard about it, Joaquin Phoenix, Best Actor winner. He spent his 45 seconds on stage criticizing and condemning anyone who enjoys meat, drinks milk, or wears leather. <laughs> because he believes, and I quote, cows to be sentient beings. Now, a sentient being is a being much like us who has feelings and a conscience. So it's cruel for us to in any way violate any other sentient beings. He explained that our cruelty towards animals is a product of our being egocentric, which he believes is an effort by human beings to dominate, control, and use and exploit another sentient being with impunity. Now this was his solution. He said human beings at best are so inventive and creative and ingenious. And I think that we use love and compassion as our guiding principles. We can create, develop, and implement systems of change that are beneficial to all sentient beings and to the environment. So you have any idea who he was preaching to? Well, he was preaching to all us down here in Dark County, especially Dee Dee Hunt. How dare you, Dee Dee Hunt? It's, it's Carl's birthday today, or are you just celebrating it today? It's Tuesday. The family's going out to celebrate. You better not have any meat, Dee Dee. You tell Carl. None of that. Now, what Mr. Phoenix said... You might disagree with me, but in a fundamental sense, it's true. What he's pointing out is that there is wickedness in this world. And the righteous, like him, need to fight against it. The righteous must use their love and compassion and guiding principles to create, develop, and implement systems of change that stops wickedness in our time. But it is in the specific application of this fundamental truth that Joaquin gets a little weird. Why cows? That's the question. Now, we believe the Bible teaches us as it, Peter was, saw the vision that it's okay to kill and eat meat. It was good. God gives that to us. We've been enjoying 
the blessings of that for 6,000 years now. Well, not quite six. Let's say 4,000 just to be safe because there's evidence that before the flood, they, that there was no, we didn't eat meat. Um, people didn't. But whatever you want to, however you want to cut it, do you want to spend three hours and 45 minutes watching people aggrandize themselves and in the process of doing so making you feel guilty for what you believe and what you think? Probably not, and that's why most people don't watch. What they do, though, is they take advantage of the age-old problem of wickedness. You can find wickedness anywhere. As a matter of fact, wickedness and righteousness are those fundamental things that we have in life that kind of get us all on the sides we want to get on. Remember we talked about last week the impeachment of President Trump, the duality and all of that? The problem of wickedness in our world and the need for the righteous is the righteous feel compelled or called to preach against it. And as we consider our Luke 3 and me connection through the genealogy of Jesus, we come to Noah, who was called a preacher of righteousness. Now, Peter called him that. It's not mentioned like that in the Old Testament. As a matter of fact, some people are confused because the Bible doesn't really indicate that Noah was standing up every, you know, everywhere preaching to the masses. But we'll talk about that in just a second. He was living in a time when God was so troubled by his creation that God offered this speech to be recorded for all time. Genesis 6, verse 5 through 8. The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth and that every inclination of the, heart, the thoughts of the human heart was evil, only evil all the time. The Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth and his heart was deeply troubled. So the Lord said, I will wipe them from the face of the earth, or I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race I have created, and with them the animals, the birds, the creatures that move along the ground, for I regret that I have made them. God says, according to Moses who records this, I, have, I regret that I've made them. Why? Well, you notice here that he uses the word human three times. He talks about the human race and how wicked they are. He talks about the human heart, how it become only evil all the time. And then he talks about how he regretted making human beings, mankind. Now, our creator regretted that he made human beings because the human race was full of great wickedness. And every indication of the human heart was only evil all the time, which is the exact opposite of what it means to bear the image of God. God has borne us and he has given us the image of goodness, righteousness. Now, lest we spend too, too much time spiritualizing the word righteousness, let's just make it clear. 
what righteousness and wickedness are. Righteousness is when you do things the right way, the way God has designed you to be. Wickedness is anything you do that is counter to that. And the only way that we really know is if we walk with God and we are in his presence and we are, uh, we are one with him and we have all those opportunities through the power of the Holy Spirit now. And that's why we've been learning for the last few weeks that if you walk with God through the Spirit, you have life. But if you walk it according to your desires or wickedness, you have death. Now, all of this is described about every human being on the earth except for one. The Bible says Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Why? Because Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time. And listen to this. He walked faithfully with God. Now, how important is it, do you think, to walk faithfully with God is, based upon what we've been learning so far? Enoch, he walked with God, so God caught him up. He didn't have to die. We see evidence of then his family line walking with, in faith with God, walking with God. And here we get to Noah, and it says he walked faithfully with God. That made him righteous, blameless. He found favor in the eyes of the Lord in the face of the great wickedness and condemnation that would come as a result. Now, this is very, very important to remember on a fundamental basis because there's always going to be the righteous there will always be the wicked for the righteous there's the promise of life and sometimes the righteous are asked to help facilitate that promise and there are those who live in wickedness and it's always important for them to know that they are living in constant condemnation. Like Samuel sings all the time now, they're just dead men walking. <laughs> now this is our connection with Noah through Christ. Now obviously Jesus had that connection with Noah. Because in the New Testament... It keeps making this connection between him, and we're going to go through some of those scriptures. 1 Peter, 2 Peter, Matthew. So find 1 Peter 3 right now, verse 18 through 22. Because there's a connection between Jesus and Noah as preachers of righteousness. Because Jesus was a preacher of righteousness in his time and Noah's time as well. I'm not sure who's trying. i got to turn this down. It's driving me crazy. I always do this before I get in here. Oh, it's from Jim Reynolds. Thanks, Jim. I know. I'm going to turn it down right now. Did you do that because you knew my phone was going to ring? All right. Sorry. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18 says, For 
Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. And he was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. After being made alive in the spirit, he went and made proclamation to the imprisoned spirits, to those who were disobedient long ago when Christ waited patient, or when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. In it, only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water, and this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience toward God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God, with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. So the connection between Jesus as a preacher of righteousness is that after he suffered the righteous for the unrighteous, he was put to death. He was made alive in the Holy Spirit. He was raised from the dead. It says then, after he was made alive, and this is kind of, this is one of the things I have talked God about. Because anybody on the face of the earth who says they can explain this to you, they're, they're embellishing whatever facts that they might have about it. So always be suspicious. This is one of these God things we have talked to him about. When Jesus went and made proclamation to the imprisoned spirits, those who were disobedient long ago in the days of Noah. Now, I'm sure Peter had some understanding of what that meant. But for us, the important thing is for us to realize the connection between Christ and Noah. There was this effort to always, God was always interested in people finding salvation and Noah represents that through the ark as the ark was the vessel through which they were saved upon the water and then Jesus makes this connection now that it is through water that symbol that symbolizes baptism that now saves us it's not the removal of dirt but it's a pledge of a clear conscience towards God it saves you by the resurrection of Christ it is through his righteousness we are saved. And in our time and place, in our effort to resist the wickedness of the human race and the evil that resides in the human heart, we must covenant with God to be his preachers of righteousness. There's the connection. We're connected to Christ, who's connected to Noah, and we all have the same opportunity in this world, and that is to either live for wickedness and promote it, or we can live for righteousness and promote that. Those are really only your two choices. Now, most of you would like to sign up for the in the middle place there. I don't really want to be wicked. I do want to live for righteousness, but I just don't want to tell anybody about it or try to stop anybody else from living the way they want to live. Because after all, it's a free country. You know, people get to do whatever people want to do, Right. Well, tell that to, well, I don't want to go there. There's wickedness and there's righteousness. There was wickedness and righteousness in Noah's day. There was wickedness and righteousness in Jesus' day. Jesus helps us understand that he was a preacher of righteousness and that we, like him, our connection, are to be preachers of righteousness too. What does that mean? Well, it means you need to be a little bit like Joaquin Phoenix. He might have been confused about the specifics. He might have got off on a tangent. But when he had a platform to speak to 23 million people, 
He tried to be a preacher of what he thought was right. It was his guiding principles that were off track. If you had such a platform, and we do, would you be a preacher of righteousness and warn others that wickedness leads to destruction, even though most likely you will be ignored and worst, you will be mocked and ridiculed like Joaquin Phoenix has been this week? But don't use guilt and shame. Joaquin Phoenix, he used guilt and shame so that everybody would give up steak to protect the sentient beings, which is fine. I'm not going to do that. But what I am going to do is I'm going to try to remind you that there is wickedness and righteousness in this world. And the wicked are doomed for destruction, the Bible teaches us. And the righteousness have the opportunity of eternal life. And the real question for us is not are those things true, but are you doing anything to help those who are in the wicked category? Now, again, let's break it down to fundamentals. When I say wickedness, let's not think about the devil with the pitchfork. Let's think about anyone who does not follow God's plan for them in their life. That is not right. It is wicked. Sometimes we have tried to make wicked so wicked that we fail to see wickedness that's on this edge, closer to righteousness. But wickedness one step in is as bad as wickedness a hundred steps in, according to James. If you've done one sin, you've done them all, according to him. That's why we need to be righteous. Noah was, as I said, I described him, he was like the first newsie. You guys know what the newsies were? The newsies? If you have kids my age, you know what the newsies are. You know the movie, the Broadway production, based upon the real-life strike of paper boys in the 1800s when they were after Pulitzer, I think. A newsie would get their papes, and then they'd do their best to sell them. So they would get around and talk about the highlights, the headlines of the day. They'd get enough information that they could offer interesting and intriguing teasers to get people to buy. So they would go out on the street and they'd say, extra, extra, read all about it. Coronavirus strikes Dark County. <laughs> Got your attention? Now, if I said coronavirus gets another one in China, you might go, well, China's a long way away. But, and they would sensationalize the headlines so that people would be interested enough in buying their papers, their papers. Newsy Noah, he walked faithfully God like Noah, like Enoch, excuse me. And it was his opportunity to use his life to proclaim the righteous path that God was creating to save all mankind. Genesis 6 says as a result, following uh, where we were before, which... Um, Somewhere around verse 10 or 11 here. Now the earth was corrupt in God's side and was full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become, for all the people on the earth had corrupted their ways. So God said to Noah, 
I'm going to put an end to all the people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. And I am surely going to destroy both them and the earth. So make yourself an ark. Now, full disclosure, if you read Genesis chapter 6 through 9, I encourage you to do so. Uh, I meant to post on uh, Facebook that the, you could read chapter 6 through 9 be ready for this, but forgot to do so. But read Genesis 6 through 9. You might have questions about how Noah was a preacher of righteousness. It talks about him being called by God. It talks about him building an ark. But it doesn't really talk about him standing up and preaching vocally about the coming gloom and doom. No matter, you know, you might have seen that in some movies. But Peter, he helps us understand that Noah was a preacher of righteousness because he described him that way. And then in uh, Hebrews, Paul describes Noah as one who lived by faith. He says in Hebrews eleven seven, By faith Noah, when warned about the things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By his faith he con condemned the world and became heir of the righteous that is in keeping with faith. So like Noah, we have a choice to make. We can live in righteousness and accept that in doing so, along with God, we're condemning this world because it's wickedness so that we become an heir of righteousness as we live in faith. We believe as Christians, and we should, that this world has a time when it will end. We'll talk about that more in detail here in just a second. But in understanding that, we must condemn this world for where it is heading in wickedness. Noah had to do that. He had to realize that God was telling him the truth, that he had to go to all the trouble of building an ark. Now just imagine this. It took Noah a long time to build the ark. He put all this work in, cut down all these trees, Got all this gopher wood and all this pitch and all the things that were in it. And he designed all the things that are, that are part of the story there. Just imagine him building all of that. And then he's ready to get his family in the ark. God says, well, you know, I was just kidding. No. Noah knew when God says, because he walked with God, he walked with God faithfully. That when God says, Noah, I want you to build an ark. You were going to be the one that carries forth the idea of riches. And remember what his father, Lamech, said about him, that he was going to be the one who saved. His name means rest, brings peace. So our connection with Noah convicts us to do the very same thing. And let me make it clear what it is. Two things. Save your family and condemn this world. Is there anybody extra, extra tease that we might offer that intrigues those we know than making sure we're building our own ark? Why was Noah a preacher of righteousness? What was he doing in his life? Every day he was building an ark to save his family and all the animals that God was going to put on it and anyone else that would come. He was working with every bit of his energy and effort 
to preserve the building of that ark. And my question for you simply this morning is, what does people see you doing? Preparing to share in their wickedness? Are you building an ark to save your family through faith? Newsy Noah did everything just as God had commanded him. Can you imagine what kind of crazy, what kind of statements uh, were made to him who wandered by? You know, what's he doing? Or how the news spread of this crazy guy building a houseboat when they knew nothing of floods or even rain? Surely the question came up, why are you building the ark for your family? Why are you protecting your children from the wickedness of this world? Why do you prevent them from watching or participating or being a part of certain things that are part of the condemned nature of this world? Why do you do that? I'm building an ark. Why are you building an ark? Because God said he's going to destroy this world. And this is the way through to salvation. I would hope that our families would hear that question. Why are you building an ark for your family? Why have you created a home that protects your kids from the wickedness of this world? As if you think the human heart is inclined to evil. As if you believe people you don't even know out there. Through their music and movie and television shows and articles in the and their websites and their, uh, their Facebook things. The, you don't even know who they are, but you know that their hearts have to be inclined to evil because the Bible teaches us so. So you're protecting your children. You put up a wall in which they could live safely because you know that the world's heart is inclined to evil. They'll say, do you think you're better than us? Why do you teach your kids about Jesus? Why do you go to church? Do you think you're smarter than us? No, we just remember these words of Jesus. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. But about the day and or hour no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, and up to that Day up to the day Noah entered the ark, and they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. This is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Meaning, this is what it's going to be like when Christ returns to get his people. The wicked are just going to be living their life like it's just another normal day. And the righteous are going to be in their ark. Protected from the elements by faith and by structure. But trust me, it takes a little bit of work. It takes time for us to build that ark in our family, but most of all, it takes that conviction that God gives us to tell us to build that ark. It is time that we take more seriously our newsy obligation. Listen, God's already written the story. It is bad news for most, but that should motivate us even more so to get out there and encourage people to read all about it. It's about being preachers of righteousness who understand that salvation comes through faith. Peter said there is no other name through which men can be saved 
of the name of Jesus. Romans 3, 22 through 26 describes it this way. The righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There's no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. It's not about who sins less or who sins more because scripture teaches us here there's no difference no matter what your religious affiliation we all sin and we all fall short of the glory of God but in the same token all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus what is our ark it is Jesus it is our belief in him It's our understanding that he is the son of God who came to take away the sins of the world, who died and rose again. That when we believe in him, though we struggle with sin, we are not condemned by it like the rest of the world. Righteousness is found in Christ and him alone. Wickedness is not believing in Jesus. Now you might say that's not fair. God gave men 120 years. Somehow we know that the message was getting out, that this ark was being built because God was going to destroy the world. And for all that time, people chose not to believe. Our ark today is Jesus. And there are those in the world who think, well, you know, Christ hasn't returned. Things go on just as they always have. We explain why. A thousand years, like a day, a day, like a thousand years, God is patient so that we will repent. We have this time so that we can get more people into the ark of Christ. We have more time so that we can secure our children in the ark of Christ. We have more time, the time that God has given us, because there are people in your family. You have friends. You have people you work with. You know they're lost in wickedness. And you say not a word because you're afraid they will not listen to you or they won't reject you. Listen, if they don't listen and they reject you, are in pretty good company because they didn't listen to Noah and they rejected him. They didn't listen to Jesus and they killed him. Our ark is Jesus Christ. And when we do everything as God has commanded concerning his son, not set of rules and regulations but when we've done everything concerning his son we have an ark that saves us called resurrection and when the final destruction of the earth takes place when we talk about Jesus and holy fear we're building this ark that will save our families and we're acknowledging this world is wicked evil and condemned and if this is true we must be very careful how we interact with those in this world That's why Paul offered this prayer in Philippians 1. He said, and this is my prayer, 
that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Are we living daily in the glory and praise of God through Christ? Fruit of righteousness, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, the fruits of the Spirit. All those things connect together. Now, there are many interesting and intriguing things about the story of Noah as it involves the flood and what happened after the flood. We don't have time today to explore or examine those details. That wasn't the purpose of the message today. I'd encourage you to, if you're really interested in that, to read in depth the flood account, scripture. And again, check out answersingenesis.org for an in-depth consideration. Or better yet, one of the best real-life illustrations of the ark and the story of the ark is to go down to Williams, Williams, Kentucky and go to the ark encounter. Why? Because I just saw on the news some, some drafts were going to see it and one of them passed out, I think. That's what I saw. No, because believers have taken the time to recreate a lifelike, true-to-dimension ark now, I know you're going to tell me it's got elevators and it's got a snack shop, so it can't be the real art. <laughs> but the idea here is that as you're walking through the ark, there are charts and things all over. There's information everywhere explaining how all the animals, every kind, could fit on the ark, how they fed them, how they got rid of their waste, how, how, uh, where the living quarters are. Uh, giving a little explanation of the eight that were saved on the ark. Go check those things out. I think that that would be great for your family. But our purpose is best understood today in understanding our connection to those in the genealogy of Jesus because what we're learning is that the principles and patterns that should be guiding us, like calling on the name of the Lord to be saved and walking with God in faith, as the ancients did, and as we've learned today to create our own ark, which saves our family and condemns the world, those are still relevant to us. Why? Because we're still part of the same story of Adam and Eve. That story has not changed. It's not diverted in God's view and His plan. We are saved through the ark of Christ. It's hard to do so when we know that we might be the subject of rejection and ridicule, but it only hurts for a few minutes. We might also fear the uneasy discussion about judgment and discussion or destruction. If I say the world's condemned, what am I saying? That my best friend who doesn't go to church, who doesn't believe in Christ, that they are condemned? Yeah. Does it matter to you? But what about those who are living in wickedness and, the, and evil who do not live for faith in Christ? Are you saying, Mike, that they're all going to be destroyed? That they're all going to have to face judgment and go the other way, as Dickens called it? What about the babies and the children? What about all these innocents we call? It's funny how... These things echo because there are questions about the flood too. Questions was asked, how many people died in the flood? Do you ever wonder that? 
That number has been estimated to be as high as 10 trillion. I think that's a little high. Uh, to as few as tens of thousands. To tell you the truth, I don't know. There are just too many variables that are hard to predict because they lived longer and uh, they base averages of the 10 trillion on modern day. So is you know. Suffice it to say that there were lots of people living on the earth when the floods came. There were babies, there were children, there were animals. And they died in the flood. And you'll say, is God that cruel? Some might say, why didn't Noah build an ark that would fit everyone? I mean, he could have built many arks and put them on every corner so that people could come into them. And then they wouldn't have so far to drive to get into the ark. These are all straw man arguments which are meant to distract us from the real issue at hand always. Here's the issue. God has declared his judgment. This is his world. He created it. We've sinned. We've ruined it. And it is just and right for him to do what he has promised he is going to do. And he has proven he will follow through on his promises, both good and bad. And the story of Noah and his salvation through the flood in the ark is proof to you that Christ is trying to save you. He is the ark and that destruction is coming. Now we can try to avoid the reality of this truth by getting off into the weeds but our connection with Noah is that God has condemned this world and it will be destroyed by fire. And anyone who does not live in the ark of faith in Christ will be destroyed. 2 Peter 3 verse 12. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we're looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this Make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. We'll all be destroyed. So because we know what kind of peace should, I mean, what kind of person should we be, we need to be spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. We need to look forward to it. That means we need to know it's coming. We need to be prepared for it. And we need to prepare all those that we know for it as well. Let's take a look at something. I'm going to have Alan pop this up from the interwebs. It's called the World Population Clock. Current world population. As soon as it settles. 7 billion. 764,832,950, now you see, up and down. Births today, 180,000. Births this year, 17 million. Deaths today, 75,000. Deaths this year, 70 mil, 7 million plus. Population growth today, 104,000. Huh. Almost 8 billion people in the world. 8 billion. There are estimates that there were many more here on this earth when Noah built his ark. There are some who believe there were many fewer. The question, that, that, that doesn't really make any difference. The question is this. Did God fulfill his promise to Noah 
to destroy the earth. Yes. Will he fulfill his promise to us to destroy this earth by fire? Yes. Will there be people that we know who will be destroyed and face judgment and condemnation and destruction because of that? Yes. Will there be those who will be saved? That depends on you. Depends on me. God loves every human being. And he demonstrated such by sending his one and only son to save mankind and to deal with the evil in our human hearts, to make it easy for us to just believe in Christ, find our peace with him, and we can be at peace with God. He's done all of that with our modern day equal to the Ark of Noah, and that is our faith in Christ, our relationship with Jesus Christ has enough love to save every human being on this planet and and has demonstrated that through his sacrifice. He gave his life for all. Not just all that were alive at the time, but he has given his life for all those who lived before him and all those who would live after him. We have 8 billion people to preach righteousness to in hopes of getting them into the ark of faith, which is Christ. But lest we are overwhelmed... Let me put this in a way that might be helpful to you. Is your immediate family safe, first of all? Are they in the ark? Do they have faith in Jesus? What about your extended family? Are they safe in the ark? Do they believe in Jesus? What about your friends? Do you have friends? Do they all believe in Jesus? Do you have coworkers, people you're with all the time? Do they believe in Jesus? Listen, God needs newsies like you to warn of the wickedness, both by word and example, as Noah did. You live your life in such a way that those who believe or who do not believe will look at you and they might ask you, why do you believe? And this is your chance to be a newsie Noah. You can share about what you understand. Light the way. Man, I'm sorry. I've gone way, way past here. I should have just stayed asleep, right? (laughs) Let me suggest a project to you real quickly. It's called My 7 to Heaven Project. Hashtag My 7 to Heaven Project. What I'm going to ask you to do is commit to get seven people that you know that are lost and in condemnation, get them into your ark. Tell them about Jesus. Tell them about the condemnation that's coming to this world. Don't oversell wickedness. It's not that interesting. It's just not believing in God, not believing in Christ. So help them believe in Jesus. Help them believe in God. And did you realize... That if you did something that simple, just get seven, and then they got seven. So you got seven, they got seven, that'd be 49, and those 49 got seven. Did you know it would only take 11 cycles of that to get to 13 billion people? Just by seven, getting seven. Eight billion sounds like a lot. How about seven? 
Hashtag my seven to heaven project. Get seven in the ark. Our connection with Noah is very clear, very important. But like Noah, we have to condemn this world. We have to see it as lost. We have to see it as being judged that the fire of destruction will consume it. And that those who do not believe will be judged and the fire of judgment will be their place of eternity. Because unless we really see that, we are not motivated to try to save them through the coming flood. They need Christ. And not just for when that flood comes, but when their little floods happen every day in their life, they need Jesus to help them rise above and float through. One crisis after another, Christ can lift them up and carry them through. Let's be like Noah. Let's be newsy.